In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, we got some listener email. Always love these segments. Come on in. The water's fine. We'll be right back. Your humble servant, the Q Diggity Dog, up in the Moran family home. I want to say studio. It's the studio. What do you? Who cares? With my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Jeannie, what's going on over there? Not a whole lot, but there is some autism ha- happening behind me. So I don't trip potato chip. It's all good. With that being said, first thing I want to do today is welcome you to the program. Thank you for listening. It's going to be dogs, autism, and who knows what else is coming through the show. But it's great to have you all here. And you, the listener. Um, (laughs) And here's one thing that's cool. In the last 28 days, I've had about 350 people download over 1,000 episodes. Pretty cool. And with that being said, here are the countries that have have jumped on board in the last 28 days. The United States of America, USA, Kenya, Canada, United States. Arab Emirates, South Africa, Ireland, Australia, Australia. Now that was a bad one. Bermuda, the UK, Nigeria, Trinidad, Uganda, Egypt, India, Germany, New Zealand, Brazil, Chile, Indonesia, Mexico, Portugal, and Thailand. So if I mention you in your country, what is up? Man versus Marriage Nation. It is so great to have you here. Email me and tell me where you're from. If you want a shout out on the program, I will do it because I'm just that kind of guy. Today, we're going to talk about that very thing, which is listener email. Now, if you're new to the program, Jeannie and I will do, it's a, it's a philosophy I call standing outside of the frame. A lot of times you're just in the picture. You, you can't really see what's going on in your life. So we can give you an opportunity to tell us your story. You look outside of the picture. You step outside of the picture and you look at your story from another perspective. Because my, my belief is you can have all the problems in the world and not know how to figure them out. However, if your friend comes to you and says, man, I've got this problem, because you're not emotionally connected to it, you got all the answers. Hmm. And so that's what we do. We leave you anonymous unless you're like, hey, say my name. I don't care. Um, we call you Jack and your wife, Jill. And then we will tell your story. You get to hear it in a different manner. And then other, other guys around the world get to hear it. And it gives them perspective. They hear things and it's like, hey, you're not alone. Marriage is marriage in all these, what up, all these countries around the world, marriage is marriage. And you just heard those, what, 22 countries I named off? They're downloading the podcast because around the world, marriage is just marriage. And it's not all bad, okay? In our world, it's not all bad. And if you have a good marriage and you want to get to great, we can help you. If your marriage sucks and it's terrible, you and your wife are willing, 
Jeannie and I can help give you some principles to guide you so that you can go from this thing sucks to it's okay. And from okay to it's getting better. And from it's getting better to it's good. And from good, it's going well. And from going well, it's great, etc. So uh, here's what we, we want to endeavor to do. We have Jack, and he's talking about, you know, his wife, Jill, and what's going on. I'm going to read through this email. And when I read through this email, you're going to get a picture of what's going on, and then I'm going to read my correspondence back to Jack. And Jeannie and I will talk in an open discussion format about what's going on in our experience and how we believe we can help and give you some advice. So here we go. Anything to add before I go on, honey? Nope. I'm Jack. I'm 48. And my wife, Jill, is younger than me. Smiley face emoji, laughing eyes. Not going to tell you her age. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Um, My wife and I have started listening to y'all's story about a month ago. So that's pretty awesome right there. Husband and wife both listening to the podcast. Thank you. Jack and Jill, you know who you are? Thank you. And what I always say is thank you for having the courage to reach out. It takes a lot of guts to do so, and you have my absolute respect. I so appreciate you. There's so many similarities with us as far as between husband and wife on both sides. We both take some, we both take some from each of you, thinking the same ways and such. I'm up to episode 125 right now. That's commitment, bro. <laughs> you know, Christopher, you know, he's... This man, he appreciates you, man. Send me your old shirt size. I'm going to send you a T-shirt. <laughs> I got to get them made. I'm getting t- For everybody, I promise a T-shirt. You know who you are. They're in production. They're coming your way. Let me, let me get back on, on topic here. Uh, I should listen to the next 125. Oh, no, no. I took down uh, the episodes y'all said I should listen to the next uh, after 125. We went through about eight an eight to nine year stint where we were basically roommates because of something I did. We've been married now for 23 years and counting. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I share your excitement, Jack. We've only started to slowly come out of this within the past couple of years. Zero communication. Me not showing any emotions at all about anything. Regressing to figuring that if, we, if I don't say anything or do anything, I'll keep the peace. Now, he's using exclamation points all over the place. So he's right that uh, him and I are pretty similar. Because <laughs> I do the same. I overuse it. Not that you are, but I do. I love, capital L-O-V-E, my wife, more than life itself. And will do anything to keep her next to me. Happy. My lack of communication and lack of emotions is killing our marriage. It's made her totally insecure with us and with herself because I never, in all caps, shared any of what's in my head with her. I had a horrible habit, working on this now, of having complete conversations with her in my head. Gosh, how many of us are, dude, I was just doing that yesterday morning when I woke up and I said, you know, I'm going to stop having conversations by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's, you know, Worrying about what somebody else is going gonna, is gonna to say. Answering her side in all without ever including her. 
Of course, all of her side, in my head, was always negative. Always. All capitals. I'm seriously struggling with this. I've, I've become completely negative with everything due to me doing this. We've had some hard discussions, and I don't realize a lot of things until she brings them to my attention. It makes me feel like I'm failing her constantly and hurting her feelings constantly and just letting her down in every way as a husband. We are not the greatest in communication, but I think we're getting better. She's a hell of a lot better at it than I am. I've never spoken of my feelings, ever, all caps. That's not what I saw when I was growing up. Actually, saw the opposite. Jill has told me repeatedly how she feels, and I keep screwing it up. I'm really struggling on how I think about things, how to change. The negativity is bad. The self-confidence and insecurities are bad in me. I don't know what happened or why and when this even started. It's going to end our marriage. We've been in discussions today and last night because I hurt her feelings again last night. Not intentionally. It absolutely kills me that I do this to her. It kills me to know that I've been crushing her security and her feelings. She's the most beautiful, sexy, loving, caring person I know. She's the love of my life, my rock, my best friend, my lover, all of everything to me. I know I'm probably jumping around. I'm really not good with words. I want to be. With her, most of all, I've centered my whole of everything around her happiness. The old saying, happy wife, happy, happy life, seems to be my deepest motto taking it serious in every way possible. Everything I do is centered on that. Even not telling her anything negative at all in fear of hurting her feelings and crushing her more than what I already have. I've gotten a little bit better in opening up to her with what goes on in my head, but not like I want or need to be. I just want our marriage to be great. I know she is, I'm so tired of hurting her, what feels like constantly. I know y'all have a gazillion listeners and try to help everyone, which is awesome. But my main priority is her, to make sure I'm meeting all her needs in every way possible. She feels that I cannot be intimate with her because I don't open my... <laughs> Uh, at symbol and symbol, I, I think, uh, I think that probably has to do with the F word mouth and tell her what's on my mind. <laughs> That's the only thing I could figure. Sorry guys. He's reading it. It's not in front of me or I would have filled in the blank for you. No, 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 no need. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard to do this. I used to be like that back in the day earlier in our marriage. What happened to me? I just know that I want to have it like we used to be. Open, carefree, and loving each other in every way. I know y'all probably can't tell. Uh, I know y'all probably can't tell. Not I really don't like texting or typing. 
I'm going to speak to you kind of guy. But I know this one, this is one step of whatever it takes to make us better. I just love, capital L-O-V-E, my wife. I want us to be happy. So that's that's the first email. And there's a lot of conviction in that email, the way I read it. I'm laughing at the last line. I'm I'm not good at talk or text or texting or writing. I'm a talk to your face kind of guy. And yet you just said that you don't open your effing mouth and talk. So kind of an oxymoron. It was funny. Well, I get what he's saying, but it just it made me chuckle. I'm a writer. It made me laugh. It's <laughs> yeah, it's not really oxymoron to tell the truth. It's it's easier if you're speaking man to man just to talk. So he's trying to he's trying to write out what it is and. I, I know you, you were concerned, Jack, about jumping all over, but that's kind of how these things are because you're trying to put a finger on where this actually is. Where do I start? Right. And so, you know, let's let's talk about this because there are some things in here that, that I'll, I'll challenge you a little bit on, okay? And I know we've had uh, – actually, I should probably um, – I should probably go back and – I think you have to read the second one to make that one make a little more sense. Yeah, let me let me read this too. Let's say, Jack, thanks for the message. This is me to him. First and foremost, I appreciate your courage to reach out. It takes brass bells to, to take that step. For that, you have my respect. Jeannie and I appreciate the both of you listening. I'm excited you are finding some common ground with her and I. One of the most important parts of this moment is simply this. If, if the both of you are willing, we can find a way. Not to be cliche, not to be a cliche machine. Keep that in mind. Um, who you are is not who you have to be. You can and will transform uh, the man you are into the man you want to be. If, capital I, F, see, we are, yep. Uh, if you are willing to do the things like uh, that scare you. There are many reasons you do what you do, as you will hear or may have heard um, in earlier episodes. Coming to terms with the way you do one thing is the way you do everything and examining your choices or why do you do what you do. Two, crucial concepts to begin your process. I'm confident the answer, the answers are within you. Yes, sometimes we need an outside voice to help us discover what this looks like. I read below that something you did caused almost a decade of roommate-like behavior between you and your wife. The internal arguing with yourself, a.k.a. the voice of guilt and shame, second-guessing your credibility and intentions, thereby rendering silence a sufficient punishment for you, you lost the right to have a voice in your life and your relationship. While this may not be totally accurate, something of its sort has you pinned, surrendered, fearful, and voiceless. I wonder what your process looks like, looked like as you began down the path of, of forgiving yourself. I've already, already written more than I typically do here some questions. Do you have examples of what you described below? starting from the beginning of the situation through the end or where it is now. What y'all's reconciliation look like after this major mistake? Remember, this is a marathon, brother. 
I'm sure you realize it. I'm extremely proud of you to, uh, of you that you've reached out. We're here to help. I'll share this with Jeannie and talk through it. It'll be several days, but I'm sure we can bring something back to you and Jill. Does she know you reached out? Be well. Keep stepping forward. Be intentional. And with a motive of love, of reconciliation and love. God bless. Roll Tide. Quincy. And I said, P.S., I look forward to learning more about you both and finding a way for true reconciliation and deeper communication. <clears throat> so that's me to him. And then I sent the, uh, I sent the message over, and he emailed back, and he said, I really appreciate what y'all are doing. Thank you so much. And here was the game changer. He gave me a roll tie. That's pretty awesome. I got a cough. Hold on. Ooh, cough button, cough button. <coughs> cough button, cough button. I did. I turned off the microphone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, he's going through the podcast. Around show 125, we give him episodes to listen to. He's listened to those, and he and his wife, Jill, are moving through the podcast and then working on their relationship at the same time. Well, thank you very much. So I just want to talk through a, a, a few things because you yourself might be feeling that you've been in Jack's shoes before. So there's a couple things when it when it comes to your relationship because I've gotten in the habit my, before myself, and then I'll kind of read. Um, <clears throat> should I should I go and read Jill's email? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go read Jill's email because she emailed. She participated. She gets brownie points. Yeah, she emailed. And I'm not even sure if Jack knows um, that she emailed. So I, I hope I hope I'm not creating any frustrations between you both. I did ask if I could share this. I did not ask Jill. I guess I'll email her to make sure. Hello. I thought I would email and share my thoughts about what my husband had sent. Well, she knows. What he is referring to in his original email that he had done is not as bad as it sounds. LOL. He worked maintenance in an industrial plant for many years. I am not sure if you know about this environment, but it's not the best for a marriage. I do know about that environment because I work for a company that supplies equipment for industrial places. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do know a thing or two about a thing or two. A lot of men with a lot of nasty minds, I can confirm. Anyway, there was a group of text that he was a part of that he sent out uh, that sent out very dirty pictures. He forwarded it, kept it going. Now, to some people, they would not think much of it. But to me, it was devastating. I'm very insecure as it, uh, as it is, but felt very insecure in our marriage because of how he treated me. When I saw this, I felt like I was not enough or that he desired more than what I than what I am. Instead of talking about this, I became angry. I was ugly to him and really did not have anything to do with him because I felt like he would leave me. He would leave at some point anyway. So what was the point? Fast forward about five years, I found a text message on his phone that I felt was not necessary. They were to a so-called friend of mine. Jack has always been the type of person 
that would help anyone and also talk to anyone. Yeah, sounds a lot like a guy you know, honey. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let me, I lost my place. Ah, shoot. Okay. Bye. <laughs> He's very forward with the love yous. He would tell anyone he was close to with, like, just like me. I, I'll say very in a very disarming way, love you big time. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I do that as well. Um, he felt like it was okay to have a friendship with her because I was friends with her. Now, I do have to say that when I cut ties with her, he did also, or he also did. She lied to me and told me he was flirting with her and seemed to want more. It threw me into a major downward spiral. After seeing the screenshots of the text, she completely lied to me. Jack has learned that just because he does not mean anything by a text, that someone else would not uh, think something. He just has always been that nice guy everyone likes. He thought that because there was not any meaning of wrongdoing on this, on, on his part, that he never thought of it that way. There has been a lot of tears and fighting to now a lot of talking and understanding. I love my husband, and although it has been hard, a hard road, we have not we have learned how to communicate better and not always think the worst. I have changed my thought pattern after listening to one of your podcasts and understood that I had the mindset he was going to hurt me intentionally. When I heard that, it just clicked with me. I had been doing that. I want to say thank you for putting your lives out there for us to listen to. And I can see myself and both of you. I hope that was not too long, too long-winded. LOL. And hope to hear back. Jill. So, that kind of gives you context to what it is that, uh, that we're looking at. And, you know, this is, this is like real, this is real life stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And because of a, a miscommunication, a misunderstanding, because of... Text conversations. I hate <clears throat> those. <laughs> because of a lack... There's like a... In us all, there's a lack of the ability sometimes in an emotional situation to say what you mean and for your loved one to truly understand what you mean. And so you start to hear through a filter, especially if it challenges you and you're very self-conscious. I've been there. I've done that. So she's looking at a situation. One of the situations was a big deal to her, and it's it related directly to her, her negative view of her as a woman. Well, okay, so here's the thing when it comes to pornography at least from my standpoint if your spouse is already not confident in themselves or questions their value their worth or if there has been something in your past or their past that has made them feel less than in the physical arena and then they find a picture of some young thing with you know assets they no longer have or assets that they don't believe they can match up to, um, 
it can be very damning to her because it it's if you were satisfied with me why would you need to go looking at something else now a lot of people don't view it that way I'm just looking at it I'm not touching it I'm not talking to her I'm not there's no actual like relationship I'm just looking at okay fair however if your spouse struggles with things that would be like if I knew you were trying to lose weight and you were struggling with staying away from chicken wings and I sat in front of you and ate chicken wings knowing that this was like the one thing that you were really truly having a hard time staying away from sure and I just put it out there and I ate it in front of you and oh, it's okay you're not eating it so it's not it's fine it's not a big deal it's, it's just me that's not right that's like walking up to a drunk or someone who's an alcoholic who's trying to recover and you are drinking shots next to him and you put one in front of him and don't touch it it's just it's, it's mine I'll get to it in a minute and you just leave it there you're you're putting something out there that already they're struggling with for themselves and you don't have the courtesy to not put that in front of them. I'm not saying go do porn in private. That's not what I'm saying because I'm sure there's somebody back there that's going, well, as long as she doesn't know I'm looking at it, it's all good. It's not. Because coming up in a place where I know what the damage is from this, um, I can share it because he shares his story all the time, but there was a time when that was heavy in my home. And it was something that my uncle used to have stuff all over his garage. I mean, he had women on bikes with zero clothing. And his wife told him as long as he kept it out in the garage, it was fine. But whenever my dad would go over there, my mom would get uncomfortable because they were okay with certain things in their marriage. My parents were not. And it just opened doors for things that made my mom really uncomfortable. And it's understandable because it, it to to her, it's like you're looking at someone else for something else that she can't provide. Or it's just solidifying her um, lack of confidence and her feeling of not being enough. Because you have to go look at it somewhere else. It looks better. You know, 49 versus 29. 29-year-old's going to look a little perkier. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> well, I, I know the point you are making. I don't read this is that I don't either but what I'm saying is from the perspective of someone who is struggling with seeing herself as enough and then if I if that was me and I saw you looking at something in your phone and then passing it on to everybody else so they could look at something else on your phone I would feel uncomfortable because why why are you looking at her and then my thoughts would be are you thinking about her when we're doing what we're doing you know, those kind of things for me would would be bothersome because it would make me wonder what runs through your head when we're doing us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I look at this and I go, you know, there are times, especially like early back in the day, even the flip phone days, you know, there's mass texts that go out. And I'm not going to minimize what he did or her feeling of it. I'm just going to talk about my thoughts on it. And there are some things that are so absolutely shocking that you go, <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, look at this. Now, I personally, I wouldn't forward it 
And I'm not I'm not saying what he if he had to do it over again, he would not have forwarded it. Obviously. And because there's a chain there's a chain reaction that comes along with it. <clears throat> I know I'm gonna speak openly about this and I'm gonna have to say the word boobs. So just, you know, this Honey, happens. People can say boobs. It's it's okay. It's it's not a so there was, an, word. <laughs> there was an email that went around and like people would send it as a joke. And it was this girl with very large breasts and she was doing this with them. It was almost like a gift before there were gifts. And someone had sent it to my colleague and it was happening on his screen. Well, we had a female coworker that was there at the time. Oh Lord. And she came up to talk to you know, him about something they need to do. He changed screens in there and there was the situation. And me and another guy, um, were standing there and, you know, I saw it. She saw it. He saw it. And he was in panic mode. Oh my gosh. You know? And so we made fun of him later on because he was very embarrassed. Yeah. Very, very embarrassed. Um, he had just not deleted the email or done anything with it. it was just there. And so, even to this day, me and another guy that wanted to be a luchador uh, will joke with that guy every once in a while because of, you know, he's a thug, but he was so embarrassed (laughs) that that happened. Anyway, so there are text threads, and I don't know when this happened. There are text threads, and then sometimes you do forward them on, and it might have just been a poor judgment. But looking at the situation... It's like I saw you text somebody one time, and it said, I think it said, love you. And it was a guy. Oh, yeah. And I... And I look at him like my son. <laughs> no, it's not not him. Not okay. him. It was before that. And you had built in, every time you text, it said, love you, or something like that. It was every text message you sent. It wasn't like just to him. Hmm. Um, it was everybody and I immediately got self-conscious because I, I had a lack of confidence in myself, no matter what it was for, I had a lack of confidence. I, and it wasn't until I went deeper that I understood that I could take something that was harmless. I'm not saying what Jack did was harmless, but I could take something that someone else did. And because of my insecurities, I would take it and apply it to where I was insecure and then I would start to think down a negative yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah. And it really got bad. And and my spouse is not responsible for my insecurities. Now if you know what your like you said if you know what your spouse's insecurity is, then you need to have an open conversation about that. It sounds like Jill saw this and you know if you were passing around, I mean I've got plenty of reasons to be insecure here with all these books, you know, and whatnot of all these, you know, male models or whatever. Um, but there are times when I have acted in a certain way because I'm insecure. I was not confident in who I am and it affected our relationship. So I just, you know, I, what I'm happy about is that you guys have found a way to put it in perspective to say, I'm sorry, you've reconciled over it. So how do you take that successful reconciliation and apply it to these other areas in your life? And it's like this. Jack, if you 
if you know and Jill knows that you're not good at expressing yourself and that you've developed over the course of years this negativity, how do you how do you come together with that and and talk about your negative outlook in a way that Jill can help you gain different perspective on that? Because negativity, to me, negativity is a situation where it's a it's a habit. Mm. It's a habit you build. It's a habit you build it, the mindset, and it and what it does is it's cyclical. It just that's the wrong terminology. It's a cycle. It repeats itself. It goes on a revolution. And you'll start and because that negativity is like contagious, it will reinforce itself. And then you have this mechanism called confirmation bias. So if you're thinking negative about a situation, you start to expect other things to be negative. And when anything happens, which it would be the way it happens anyway, negative or not, it starts to confirm, oh, I knew it. I knew it. And it's just negativity. So you need to have, in my opinion, you need to have those times where you talk and you say, hey, here's where I'm struggling. This is where the negativity is. And you need to find ways to redefine your mind because that's where the negative the negativity lies. Now, maybe you've never heard this concept before. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about this. I think Joe Dispenza does as well. And this might be this might sound crazy, but I'm gonna present this to you anyway. There are there is a portion in your brain, and when you think about things. When things happen, there is something that's called a dendrite. Do you you remember hearing about dendrites? No, but I know what you're talking about. It was just it was explained differently, but go ahead. Well, these dendrites, they look like trees and they come from your thoughts. Oh, the broccoli. I remember. Yeah, they come from your thoughts and your experiences and they formulate in your mind. Your thoughts become physical matter inside of your brain. And so the more, when things or events happen in your life, if you don't have the tools to work through, to process, to forgive, to allow resentment to be overcome and to be released, you start to reinforce these things in your brain and they're called dendrites and they're like trees with roots. And those dendrites will put out chemicals. This may sound crazy, but please stick with me. So what happens is they release these chemicals and then your body says, okay, here's what needs to happen. It's almost like when your body releases adrenaline, it expects a particular reaction. It's a physical manifestation of something. So if you go through a low point or you go through a really bad time in your life and it's not reconciled, and you start to reinforce what you're doing is you're watering these dendrites with negativity. And so it be, after a while, it becomes a part of your personality. And now you don't even know that's who you've become because it, is such, it has become such a part of who you are. You can't help but look at things in a negative manner. And Jack, I hope, I hope you get the heart of where I'm at with this. You have already begun to prune, to pluck, and to pull out these trees and plant new trees. 
because that's what you have to do. What have you done to accomplish this? You began on this podcast. You began filling your mind and with different experiences, with positive words, with positive ideas that something can change. And so now as you go along, like I talk, there's a reason I talk about being intentional about making a process, etc. Because you have to regrow those things in your mind to create something different. Honey, help me if you think I'm getting way off track here. No, I get what you're saying. So in order, you've begun that process. Now, maybe you haven't pruned, plucked, and pulled out all the trees, but it's happening. And even with Jill, that situation, your the, the difficulties that come along with self-sabotage or insecurity, and I say self-sabotage because when you're very insecure, you sabotage yourself from your relationship progressing. And just reading in y'all's email, there came a time where y'all allowed that negative experience, where you allowed that unreconciled situation to turn into bitterness and to become resentment. And so you started acting towards one another. It became a part of your relationship and who you are. You didn't even have to try to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. It became a part of it because you regrew, you replaced those particular places in your mind. Because legitimately, scientifically, your thoughts and those actions become physical manifestations in your brain. So you've started to maneuver that. And there's some things about yourself, Jill, that you've recognized. And there's some things about yourself, Jack, that you've recognized. And you've begun the process of reconciliation. And that's good because in order to reconcile, you have to break and you have to remove certain parts of things inside of you. And then you have to intentionally rebuild those things inside of you. And so if we talk about, I don't know, I don't have a reason why you sent that picture forward, but I don't want us to dwell on that anymore because I, it's my prayer, it's my hope that y'all have reconciled that with one another. And it sounds like they have. Mm-hmm. And Jill, it's my hope that when you are feeling vulnerable, when you are feeling like you're in that place of insecurity and you get to the point when you're afraid and you're feeling alone and you're feeling like everything is going to get away from you, then that's when you connect with Jack and you guys share your heart. He's afraid. He lives in fear of not meeting all your needs. He lives in fear of harming you with his words. And you guys are both actually, your actions, your intentions, and your heart for one another are actually the answers to both of your insecurities. Uh, you might want to suggest the five love language test. Because it sounds like there's a possibility that maybe words of affirmation are needed. Maybe that's something to help um, get past some of the insecurity, some of the fears, especially even on his side. I mean, we went through a time where um, if I was struggling with things and Quincy never really thought about words of affirmation for me because it wasn't my thing, it was his. 
but there was a season in our life that we were going through and it was like, I need to hear that I'm appreciated and that I'm a good mom. And I, I needed to know that he saw what I was doing because for myself, I always felt like I was falling short at that time. And it's not necessarily always my love language. It's, it's in there, but it's not always at the forefront. But sometimes you go through seasons where you're trying to work past something or work through something and you're trying to replace a negative with a positive and you need your spouse to reinforce that. Yes. And um, maybe that's something that needs to be discussed. Even, even on Jack's side, if he's, you can tell he's putting in an effort to try to have a conversation with you and you can see where he's struggling to say what he needs to say. That's where things like, it's okay. I, maybe this is not easy for you, but I appreciate that you're trying or say it ugly. I give you permission to say it ugly. Right. And that just, that frees him to say it however it needs to be said. And you're not going to hold it against him. You're giving him in a roundabout way. You're giving him an out to just let it go. And then we'll work around it. But that also means that you're not holding offense to it. <clears throat> you're not going to throw back ammunition. You're going to let him say what needs to be said. And then he doesn't have to worry so much about if he's using the right terminology or if he's saying something that might be taken as an offense because you've just allowed him to speak freely. Um, there, There's a lot to unpack with what you have going on. Um, not because, not that it's a bad thing. It's just the communication side of things can take some time to rebuild. Um, I would say for Jack, I have a tendency to hold things back. I have a tendency to not tell Quincy things because I, he's got enough on his plate. I don't want to add to it. He's not here right now. He's in another state and I don't want to you know, dump something on him when he can't actually be here to do anything. So I hold things back a lot. I do the same thing when he's home because I don't want to mess up the time that we have or I don't want to have an argument. And it's not necessarily that I'm mad or upset about something. It's just I'm going through something and I want to talk to him about it, but I don't always do it. I can tell you from experience that's a crap way to do things because it always comes back to bite me in the ass. Generally, I end up getting antsy or losing my cool or saying something stupid and then we start all over again because if I would have just said this is what's going on and this is where I'm at and just talked it out for a second. Mm -hmm. Even though we've got a lot going on, our agreement is we come first. We come first. Everything else comes after us. And if we're not willing to acknowledge that agreement and say, okay, I, I promise to give you my burdens, you promise to give me yours, and I'm not holding my end of the deal. Then you're, you're kind of putting the other person in a position to think that you don't trust them, and that's not cool. I struggle with it, so you're not by yourself. I, I do it all the time, and I'm still, and still mm -hmm. going through it, but I'm getting better about it. That's all you can really do is just get better. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that's really helped me, and Jill, um, God bless you for listening to that episode and for allowing that truth to wash over you. Because you know Jack well, and you know he's never, he would not intentionally hurt mm -hmm. you. And I'm telling you, like, I don't mean to use a lot of church terminology, but there are some things that you will come across in your relationship as you use these tools, just just like I think for you as you communicated. 
it will deliver you. Like you won't need a bunch of, you know, work to get through certain things because sometimes these things are connected to one another. And when you when you get delivered from something or you get an epiphany and it sinks in and it kind of hits you deep in your soul, it will not only release that, but it will release other things. So kudos to you for for being open, for listening to that and for allowing it to meet you right in your heart because I believe it, it that's one of the places that I've recently come to tell folks like to start in this one place and say okay let's get foundational here let's see where we're at that because if you believe that your spouse is going to hurt you intentionally there's other work that has to be done and I might not be able to help you with that I'm not a professional I'm just you know 24 years in the business so to speak um, of learning how to do of how to do marriage and life and so when I look when I look at this here is a key, we might have to go back through this another time, but here is a key of something that really helped me. And in my email to y'all, or to you, Jack, getting down to why you do what you do can be paramount because that is the true path to set yourself free. And here's the thing is that really we just don't do what our parents say. <laughs> we don't do what our coaches or people in authority say. We watch them and we do what they did. That is a part of it. That's is part of part of what drives me so much because I can talk a great game to my kids, but if I don't live it, then it's not going to resonate with them. It's going to be empty words. And so if you take a step back and you look now, the way I read this is that y'all were carefree and communicating before this situation happened. I don't know what, where another situation, it, this may not even matter, it may not even relate, but what situation in your life where there was a big event caused you to lose something? Lose something so catastrophic or so big that the idea is, if I just don't do anything... I won't screw it up any further. I struggled for years with self-confidence. I struggled with feeling like I don't matter. And I wasn't, I was never able to get to the bottom of why I do that. Why is it? Obviously, I've never been, you know, physically, I've never been very impressive from a physical Adonis Creed type standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Um, but Jeannie and I, my, my cousin, uh, Michelle talked to me about this book and this thing that she was doing. And this book is called dream. I dare you by Julia Gentry, AKA for me, Julia Gulia, just because I love the wedding singer. She has no idea who I am or that I call her Julia Gulia. Maybe someday she'll know and it probably won't matter anyway. She tells you to go back, and, and look, I know there's many of us that have made fun of the whole analyze that. When you were a kid and you were two, blah, blah, blah. Because mm -hmm. they say, oh, when I was two, wah. Okay. Well, as much as you make fun of that, there is still a little bit of truth in there. So let's go to the truth. Let's leave the fun part aside. Let's go to the truth. 
And she forces you kind of to go back into your childhood. And what will happen is you go back and you say, okay, go to this particular type memory. What these feelings are are a symptom of something else. So what's the root cause here? Go back to your earliest memory of what made you feel that way. Instantly, it brought me to a place where we were in Azure, Alabama. My grandfather was there. We were at my Aunt Linda's house. I had to sit down. You know, you're a kid. You want to get up and play. You had to sit on the couch, watch TV. You couldn't go anywhere. Fast forward, we're in the back of a station wagon. My mother's crying. My grandpa's there. Uh, he's driving. My sister's crying. She's like eight years old. I'm like five years old. My little brother, who's younger than me, is crying, I think because everybody else is crying, and I'm just sitting there going, what is going on? I don't understand. And then there's my dad. He walks up with three bags of candy, three paper sacks full of candy. He gives them to me. And then we're leaving. And I'm like, what's what's going on here? Why am I leaving my dad? It's crazy just to go back and think about it. And it's like... You associate that as a kid like you have nothing to do with your parents getting divorced. Nothing. Mm -hmm. But then you you associate that and you go, why why didn't I matter enough for you to stay? Why didn't I matter uh, enough for you to fight for your family? Why don't I matter? And you get hooked and you stay there at five years old. You're a full-grown adult. But people's actions, you take those actions... And you interpret those for yourself through this lens that you've learned over years and years and years of time to say, I don't matter. So what does that drive? That drives me to over-accommodate, to be people-pleasing, to go above and beyond and to sell myself out for people. And when I don't get it in return, people aren't even asking for this and I'm doing it. Because I want to prove to all of you that I matter. I want you to know that I matter. Because something in my past tells me I don't matter. And being a people pleaser is hard. Because you think you're doing it for a positive reason, but then you don't get that feeling back and you start to feel it reinforces the idea where you don't feel like you matter. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of us are struggling with something in some kind of way. And so I look at this and it's like, and it's hard because you went through eight to nine years where you were basically roommates. You've been married for 23 years and counting. And only the past couple of years, you started to come out of this and there is zero communication. Now that might not be present day, but we're going back in time where the email was. And to where the situation was. And you've got, it's important for you to do the self-work to go and look at, to identify, so you become aware of what causes you to shut down. Lose your voice. The one thing it looks like your wife needs is your voice in her life. You're trying to protect her, but at the same time, you're devastating her because you're not you're not fulfilling something that she needs so i i charge both of you i charge everybody listening to this show 
if there's a pattern that reoccurs in your life when something happens and you shut down and you turn into negativity or some other personality, maybe you just sabotage yourself and you go on a binge or something of that nature. I challenge you to, to, to start to look at what is the symptom, but don't stop there. You look deeper to what the root cause is because unless you attack the root cause, unless you get this thing out by the root, it's going to continue. Even if you cut the stump off, it's going to grow back. So think about those things. And there's any number of reasons, you know, for a husband or wife, when we're talking about insecurity, there's any number of reasons. You know, I I found myself deeply insecure, and I'm, you know, getting healthy, but I was a little bit overweight, and I was scared to death. Jeannie, Jeannie went to try out for The Voice, and I just, and, and, and I fought through that I was not enough, and I don't matter. And so I thought about, you know, well, man, she'll be on the show with Blake Shelton. How could I ever compete with a man like that that's so successful, he's good-looking, he can sing, and so on and so forth. And because I was in that place where I was so insecure, I felt like I was not enough, I felt like I didn't matter, I treated her a certain way about this situation. And it's something that you do that a lot of times you can't control. And if you do identify it, then you're like, I hate that I'm feeling this way. And I want to I wanna be your biggest champion. And so our dear friend, PJ, you know, she was talking to Jeannie on one side, talking to me on the other side, and finally I just blurted it out. I'm like, I'm, I'm afraid that she, she's going to figure out she doesn't need me when she's gone and she's successful. She's not gonna. I'm gonna be holding her back or whatever I said, and she's like, "You're an idiot." Yeah, she's <laughs> like, "Stop right there, dude." And so it's that voice in your life of someone you trust, and a lot of times that can be your spouse, where you're like, "Ah, oh, I feel like this," and it's not to like downplay your circumstances. It's to say, actually, this is where it's at. And she started to tell me, like she built me up to say, maybe you don't realize that what you offer her is so much more than just the physical side. Because here I am going, you know, I can't compete with these guys. Um, now, and, and I look at myself and I go, who, who really cares how sexy the woman is if, so if if a lady comes to me, it's like, who cares how sexy she is? It's not worth it to me. I've got such a great situation in my life. I have such a great relationship. I'm not going to waste it on three seconds in a, in a bang. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Three I don't, seconds. Yeah. Who knows? So, you know, what I, what I want for you guys is what you guys want for, for yourself which is that carefree, that connection, that open, great, loving communication like it was before this particular situation happened. But I'm here to tell you that there are situations, there are, there are things in your life that if, 
it's possible that if it wasn't this, it could have been something else. Because there's unresolved hurt and conflict in you. That's my opinion. Like I say, it's not, it's, this is not, I'm not a professional. But you are on a course for this to happen at some point because you may have things in your life that have gone unresolved from when you were younger until now. And the closer your relationship gets, the more those particular things might show their ugly head. So this situation, while it's terrible, I'm committed to the idea that it happened for the betterment of your relationship. Now, it took it took eight to nine years away from you guys and your connection. Here's the great news. Every moment forward is an opportunity for you guys to invest in what it is you actually want. And you are doing that. So while you'll never get those eight to nine years back, you have the upside of what's in front of you and to keep on growing. So I don't know... You know, Jack, you talked about your age. I don't know if you had a relationship before. You, you may have, uh, you may have told me that. I don't, I don't recall just because of what it's here. Um, but you've got to get to a place, and we talk way too much about safe spaces in this current culture climate. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But you know, like episode six was vulnerability. I think it comes to mind. It's, I, I think it's called how to get laid or something like that. You come to the place where you understand that Jill is not going to hurt you. You come to the place where you understand that some something somewhere has caused you to get in a cycle of negativity. Here's the beauty. You are willing and you are intentional about changing this. And because you are like me, be ready because sometimes you may go too far. <laughs> felt like George Bush when I did that, mm-hmm. you know, Frank Caliendo. Um, <laughs> you may go too far, and that's where you and Jill partner together because you guys are going through the reconciliation process. So you have one another. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to get on a phone call with Jeannie and I, we're going to do that because it may help us to talk through these situations in the moment and just give you some of our perspective. But I, I, I know, I know that sometimes we as men feel like we are protecting our wives when we don't talk and open up to, to her. But it sounds like you guys are on a path for you to be able to trust that you can say these things that are that are on your mind and y'all can connect and then she can help you. She can be, whether it's accountability or a voice of reason or someone you trust to speak into your life to give you different perspective. That is definitely one of the tools you can use to continue to pull out of this cycle of negativity. And as you get better and improve that, as y'all grow and build trust together with one another, you're going to find that it, it, at, at times it just becomes easier to share your heart. And that was one of, the biggest, one of the biggest things for Jeannie and I, which if you've gotten through it, was that say it ugly, like she talked about earlier. And that came from a place of insecurity for me. 
And I said, I need to say this ugly, and I'll do my best to clean it up. And so when you're saying something ugly, you're not saying something, you know, disrespectful or attacking your spouse. You're saying, I I am so uncomfortable. I don't know how to say this. So I got to say it ugly. And then your spouse hears it for what it is, not taking it personal, just hearing it for what it is. Hey, a couple episodes ago, you're going to, you're going to hear Jeannie and I really get after it. We're arguing with each other because we are not able to see each other's point. And we might dance into fight to get right (laughs) instead of fighting to be right what's for the, the relationship. So I just, I encourage you in this idea to when you wake up in the morning, you go and you say, um, I just know that I want to have it like we used to be, open, carefree, and loving each other in every way. And I encourage you, I don't know if you're a man of faith or you're not, but every morning in the shower, or if you shower at night, whatever it is, you start to hold sessions of gratitude because of the new man you are becoming. You start holding sessions of gratitude because you're thankful for an open, a carefree, and a loving relationship with your wife. Open emotionally, open trust, open respect, and open to reconciliation. And carefree, a place of freedom where you both feel like you, you have a safe place, a healthy safe place to share your dreams, to share your concerns, to share your fears, and you take on the world together. And then the loving part. In every way, you just get thankful. You get into moments of gratitude daily because you are reinforcing gratitude even when you don't feel like it. And then you got to get into that idea. I, I suggest you get in that idea where you all check in once a week. Now, I'm going to finish with this. Holy smokes, we're over an hour. Oh, my. I don't want you to get into the mindset that it is your responsibility to fulfill every single one of Jill's needs because that's not your role. And Jill, it's it's not definitely not your responsibility to fulfill all of Jack's needs. There's a certain amount of things that you as an individual have to invest in yourself so that you can build your mind and your spirit to be healthy, healthy individuals. And then you come together on your common goals for your relationship and you invest in one another. And I hope that makes sense. Jeannie is, uh, Jeannie is really feeling the effects of a sugar cookie and some candy. No, I'm I'm, you're saying all the stuff. I'm just listening. <clears throat> Well, I need to stop talking in for a moment to see if I'm just rambling or if it's making sense. Because I'm really just no, sharing it's my ma- heart. it's making sense. There are some things that um, her insecurity is something she's going to have to figure out for herself. He can help. He can be 
um, supportive of that. He can be affirming, but ultimately it's going to be up to her to battle through the insecurity parts. The same with him. He's going to struggle because he has a hard time talking and saying how he feels. Again, she can affirm, she can help, she can guide, she can offer him a safe place to land, soft place to land and, and give him, um, you know, a, a permission, so to speak, to screw it up. It's okay. But the point is you're talking, you're saying what needs to be said. There are things, um, like Quincy said, in your own insecurities or as you go through, um, things and have hard talks, there stuff's going to come up. You're not responsible for how the other person feels. You are responsible for not purposefully hurting them. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is, is accurate. You're not, I don't, I don't think it doesn't make any sense. I think you're completely spot on. Okay. Thank you. The, the last thing I would say is that it's time to put your faith in one another in your relationship instead of fear in your relationship. And that can be hard. It can be scary. It can be intimidating. But put your faith in what you both desire for this relationship. Put your faith in the person that you love. That can only be done with building trust. But faith takes a certain amount of trust when there is a a certain amount of uncertainty. And that's okay. You both talk. You both talk about what you want for this relationship. And I am so, I am so thrilled that things are getting better. I hope to the high heaven some of this has helped you. And let me tell you, if it hasn't, take me to task and tell me how I can help you. I don't want it to be just a lot of words on a podcast. Um, I hope I've communicated properly what I believe is a, is a path to get you guys on the good foot. Now, I checked in and and I asked, you know, if we could share the story. And then I said, how are you and Jill? Let me know, brother. RTR, the Q-Dog. You said, and I quote, no problem at all, exclamation point, exclamation point. Everything is going great with three exclamation points. Thanks to y'all for leading the way. I appreciate that, but thanks to you, the both of you, you and Jill both, for having the courage and the willingness to make a run at this thing and want more. Thank you for setting your own fears aside and reinvesting in your relationship. I could not be more proud of either one of you. And it's my hope that we can continue this conversation. I know some of this particular show might open up some old wounds and understand that anytime you have a wound, the process is getting that wound to a scar. I can tell you that for sure because... Gene and I have recorded some episodes, and one of those was Who Decides When We Have Sex, and just <laughs> listening listening to us talk about the situation opened up some old wounds. Might have taken us down a couple of rabbit trails. Most definitely, because, my Lord, that uh, that podcast went all over the place after 
after this next conversation. So that's all I have for you on this one. I know it's 67 minutes. In all fairness, all roads lead to sex. I don't care how you look at it. I like being on the road with you, girl. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to end it right there. And I look for your feedback, Jack and Jill. I ask that uh, you please understand, and I didn't even say this in the beginning, what an idiot. Please understand that the place we are coming from, it is a foundation, it is a point of love. And anything we say on here is, is not to attack you. It's us talking through your situation in order to give you some other perspectives. So while we don't have all the information, we don't have all the context, just know that, that we're coming from a place of love and support for you and your relationship. And email me back. Even if you have to, you know, give me some lumps on the chin for something I got wrong, I'm here to make you better. I'm here to challenge you to be better. And I pray to God that I have helped you in moving your relationship forward. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you for having the courage to reach out and put yourself out there in an effort to make your relationship exactly what you want it to be. And God bless you as you go through this. We are rooting for you 100%. She is Jeannie Moran. I'm Quincy Moran. And this is Man vs. Marriage, the podcast. Roll Tide.